All right, guys, let's go ahead and um, begin with a word of prayer. And what we're going to seek to do is apply some of the how to study the Bible principles that we've been talking about and see if we can understand a couple more um, methods of how to study. We looked at the most helpful method the last hour. Uh, It was the verse by verse method is the most helpful. In fact, I think I can put it up here again. In the daily study, the verse-by-verse method is often the most helpful, and we studied and applied the verse-by-verse method. The verse-by-verse method was taking one verse at a time, concentrating the mind on the verse until you understand the thought that God has put into that verse, and then thinking upon the thought until it becomes your own. It's a three-step process. So first, you pick the verse. Second, you think about the verse and seek to understand the verse. And when you finally understand the verse, you actually stop and think about what you just learned from the verse until the thought becomes your own thought. This is how we ought to study the Bible. And this is when truth sanctifies, like John 17 teaches. God's word is supposed to change us and transform us. Many times it doesn't, not because it doesn't have the power to do so, but because we don't allow it to marinate in the mind and to change the soul. So that's what we talked about the last hour. Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer, and we'll begin our last session today. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to study your word. Please, Lord, be with my mind and be with my mouth, that they may be used for your honor and for your glory. Allow the Spirit of God, yea, he who searches the deep things of God, to be here to teach us and to guide us into truth, and also how to come to an understanding of truth for ourselves Lord, there is so much to cover in so little time, but I pray that you would impress my mind what to share, that it might be beneficial to the salvation and the souls of my friends. Help us to this sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we just, again, recap. We just talked about the verse-by-verse method as being the most helpful method of Bible study, but there are other methods. And the next one we're going to talk about is word study. Word study. So if you're taking notes, you want to write down word study. And what I'll do is I'll explain each method, and then we're going to practice the method. So this is going to be more, hopefully, more hands-on. So word study. Go with me to Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. How many of you have a hobby that you really enjoy? How many of you have to invest money into that hobby to do that hobby? Your hobbies are free? They don't cost any money? Oh, really? Okay, some of us have free hobbies. You should tell me what those are because those are rare. (laughs) Usually you need some type of bike or camera or something, even a bottle of water. But most of our hobbies are things that we do. It costs what? It costs money. Now, uh, I have friends who really enjoy rock climbing, and so guess what they invest their money in? Shoes and harnesses, and they got this little pouch thing that holds chalky stuff. I've climbed a couple times, and I realize it's probably not for me. Um, but it, it's, it's fun. It's kind of fun. And so, but they invest money in that. How many of you want to understand the Bible? This is something I tell everyone before we get into our applying these methods. I use computer software. I use a computer program to do word studies and to look things up. Anyone here do that with a computer? A couple of us. Good. 
you know what? Don't sell yourself short. If you would invest money in hobbies, invest money in things that will help you understand the Bible. Um, I don't tell people just settle for any old anything. If you want to know what software I use, actually, I recommend two free ones. Who here owns PC? Okay, who here owns a Mac? Amen, amen. All right. If you do own a PC, you can download eSword. It's a free Bible study software with free modules. You can get multiple Bible versions and a lot of things I'm going to mention. Yep, eSword. Like a sword, but with an E in front of it. E-sword. It stands for electronic sword. The Word of God is a sword, so yeah. If you have a Mac and you want a free one, it's called Mac Sword. Go figure. And actually, I'm sorry, they changed it. It's an updated name, and I don't have a whiteboard. It's called Eloquent now. E-L-O-Q-U-E-N-T. I don't know why they changed it. I like MacSword, but they call it Eloquent now. These are two free ones. If you want to, to, uh, to invest money in one, there are things like Accordance is a good one, and PC Study Bible for PC is a good one, and Online Bible Wrapper, but that's actually free if you find it online, their, their homepage. In other words, um, be willing to use good software, Amen. If it will help you to understand the Bible, why wouldn't you use it? Especially if it's free. So um, please use it. Um, another thing that helps me, which is what I do a lot for my Bible studies when I'm traveling, is an awesome little Cruden's Concordance. It has, all the, uh, has many of the words in the Bible and the verse where those words are found. This is actually good if you want to do what we're going to do right now, word studies. So let's go ahead and practice. Just so you guys know how I do what I'm about to do, it would be with one of those two things. Go to Revelation 10, verse 7. Actually, it won't do the people in Audioverse listening much good, but it might do you guys much good if I just close my PowerPoint and show you my software, wouldn't it? Yes. Would that be beneficial for you guys if I showed you how I actually use the software to actually do what I'm about to tell you? Yes. Raise your hands. Is that beneficial? Okay, let's attempt this. Let me move this closer. Let's attempt this. Let me close this down. So we're in what book of the Bible? And what chapter are we looking at? 10 verse 7. All right, let's go ahead and let's read this verse as my, uh, this is, a, oh, that's not there. It'll, it'll pop up, I think. Revelation 10 verse 7, the Bible reads, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Okay, so in the days of the seventh angel, what would be finished? Oh, this is confusing. Backwards. Okay, mystery of God would be finished, right? Okay, here we go. Oh, the, it's loading something. Okay, so the mystery of God. So how many of you would like to understand what is We'll try it one more time. What is the mystery of God, right? Who would like to understand that? In case you want to, I want you to want to understand it. Only three people raised their hands. So now I'm going to help you to want to understand it. Look at verse 15 of Revelation 11. That's right. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And the Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great 
there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world are become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So what happens at the end of the seventh angel? Christ coming and establishing his kingdom forever and ever. In other words, the second. Okay. Now how many of you want to understand what is the mystery that's finished with, with, involved with this angel, right? Amen. This is talking about preparation for the second coming. We don't understand this. We're not preparing for the second coming. That's right. So Revelation 10, verse 7. During the days of this angel, the mystery of God would be finished. Okay. Here we go. I think we're good to go now. Yes. Can you guys see it? Okay. So let's go to Revelation 10, verse 7. Okay, there it is. Now, with my program, what I can do is I'm like, okay, I want to understand what is the mystery of God. So you see where it says words? You can do this in any Bible study software. You go to where you type in words. Spelling that right? Okay. So when I type it in, what verse does it give me? From what verse? Let's go to the book of Colossians and see what we can learn in the book of Colossians. So I want to understand mystery of God, so I do a word study on mystery of mystery of God. Colossians. Chapter 2 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. So here we have in the book of Colossians, it's talking about the mystery of who? Mystery of God. Notice what Colossians 2, verse 2 says. Uh, Yes, sir. Colossians 2, verse 2. I'm sorry, I'm in Philippians 2, verse 2. I'm glad you asked me. Colossians 2, verse 2, the Bible says, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the what? Mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Okay. So usually whenever I want to study a verse and I find it in here, I usually try to read five verses before and five verses, guess where? After. We call that context. Whenever you read a verse, always, 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 I don't care how long it takes, if you have to read a hundred verses on mystery of a God, you always want to read the context of each verse. So let's go five verses back. We're in verse 2. That's verse 1, verse 29, 28, 27, 26. So we go five verses back. Colossians 1, verse 26. Even the mystery with God hath, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this, what? Mystery among the Gentiles. Now, in the context of this passage, we're talking about the mystery of who? Mystery of God in the context. We're going to come back to it again. So here's another mystery, right? So obviously the mystery we're talking about here must be the mystery of God based upon the context. Every time you see the word mystery in the Bible, it doesn't mean what we're about to say. You need to look at the context. Okay. So, mystery of God, which is Christ, where? In you, the hope of glory. Let me ask you, based on this passage, what is the mystery of God? 
What is it? Christ in you. Okay. Christ in you. That's right. Verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, with worketh in me mightily. Now we're going into chapter 2. For I would that ye knew that great conflict which I have for you, as for them at Laodicea, and for as many as of us have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be knit together, be, uh, be comforted, being knit together in love, unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ. So here in this passage, we're trying to understand the mystery of who? God. And based on the context of the passage, what is the mystery of God? Christ in you. Now, let's go back to Revelation 10 and plug it in. We're doing what kind of a study again? Okay, word study. Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. We're going back there one more time. Okay, Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be what? Finished. What is the mystery of God? Christ in you. Okay, now let's take it a step further. You ready to take it to another notch? Okay, so when you use Bible study software like this, you always want to know that you can do things like this. All softwares are pretty much universal. You see the little asterisk I just put there? That will now look for any form of the word God. Let me give you an example. It will also give you like a word like this. What does it say? Godliness. So this asterisk will actually look up every form of the word God with anything after it, no matter what it is. So it gave us how many more verses? Where is it found? Okay, notice what it says. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And it's going to describe what is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest where? Justified in the seen of preached unto the, believed on in the, received up into glory. It's this, the fact, the mystery of godliness, it begins with Christ dwelling in the flesh and doing all these amazing things. Wait a minute, go back to Revelation 10 now, verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be what? Which is finished, which is Christ in in other words, it's God manifested in the... In other words, it's when you reproduce the character of Christ within you. In other words, Christ will live within you and reflect himself through you. And the promise is, when the seventh angel begins to sound, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the reflection of his character, Christ living his life out in you, will have been accomplished. And she says that in Christ's Object Lessons, page 69. See, you, just so you guys know, if you didn't know, when the Spirit of Prophecy says something, I bet my bottom dollar that you can find it in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. We just don't know how to study the Bible, so we have the Spirit of Prophecy to help us out. Just so you know. So this is what we call a word study. Do you see how beneficial that was? 
it helps me to understand how I can compare, if you're in seminar two, scripture with what? Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little, and come to an understanding of what is the mystery of God. And just so you know, I'm not going to do, these studies are much more in-depth. We're just doing shorter, shallower ones, or else the whole, con the whole seminar would be just on one verse. Okay, the next one is not a word study, but it's a thought study. Thought study. Now, what do you, you're probably thinking, Anthony, what do you mean by a thought study? Question. Um, Mark? Oh, which verse did we just read? Oh, yeah, Mark, Mark 1, verse 40 to 42. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry that I was confused. But yes, that was it. That's where we did the verse-by-verse -verse method. That's right. Let's go to, let's go to Isaiah 61.10. I'll explain to you what I mean by thought study. Go with me to Isaiah 61 verse 10. Now the thought study is harder than a word study because you can't just search for thoughts as easy as you can for words. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10. But they're still true nonetheless. You see, the Bible was written by different authors who were all inspired and, and impressed and moved under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen? But you may speak differently than how, what? I speak. I may know a bigger vocabulary than you, or you may have a bigger vocabulary than me. So if God were to give you a thought, you might have like a really eloquent and beautiful way of expressing the thought, and I might have like this really choppy, like, very poor grammar way of expressing the thought, but they're still whose thought? They're still God's thought, right? And this is expressed differently by different people. Okay, let's look at it. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. The Bible reads, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with, clothed me, excuse me, with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of what? Righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Let me ask you this. What robe or garment does want God want to give you? His what? Go to Isaiah 64, verse 6 now. Remember, what kind of a study are we doing right now? A thought study. Isaiah 64, verse 6. The Bible says... But we all are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So all of our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. What does God want to clothe me with? His righteousness. And he calls it a robe of righteousness, right? Go to Zechariah chapter 3 now. Let's look at another passage. Zechariah 3, 1 through 6. So we see that, okay, my righteousness is filthy rags. God wants to clothe me with his righteousness. Zechariah chapter 3. Uh, verse Starting in verse 1. Now, based on what we have read so far about what God wants to clothe us with what we, and what we are clothed with, 
I want you to explain to me this passage. Isaiah chapter, or sorry, Zechariah chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before an angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with what? Wait, wait. What did Isaiah say filthy garments are? Our own righteousness. Okay, self-righteousness. Our own righteousness. And stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. Just so you know, your own righteousness is sin. And I will clothe thee with a change of... Interesting. He's going to take away the filthy garments and give us a new what? A new robe. Now, what did the filthy garments represent in Isaiah? Our own righteousness, and here it's our iniquities, right? So in other words, God's going to take away our self-righteousness and our sins, and he gives us, it just says, new what? New garment. Now, according to Isaiah, what garment does God want to give us? He wants to give us his... So what is happening in this verse? What's happening in this passage? Someone explain it to me. I pretty much explained it to you, but you can explain it to me again. An exchange of what? Of garments. Now what do the garments represent? Righteousness. So you constantly have God trying to take away our self-righteousness and give us his... Okay. And you see that throughout the whole, the whole thing. What did he give the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? Let's turn there. Luke 15. Let's turn there. You see, all throughout the Bible, what you're going to have repeated over and over again is God constantly talking about changing your clothes. Did you know that? Luke chapter 15, verse 22. You have a prodigal son. He comes back covered in dirt and mud and things from pigs because he's been feeding swine and wanting to eat their food. He's in, a, he's in a very filthy and unclean condition. And notice what the Father says to give him. Luke 15, verse 22. That's right. Verse 22. That's right. You got it. But the father said to his servant, bring forth the what? Best robe. So in other words, you have the son showing up with filthy clothes, filthy garments. And then you have the father saying, take those from him and give him the best. So let me ask you this. What is the best robe? Robe of what? Okay. Do you see how you can... That's right. Do you see how you can deduce that thought from Scripture? How God constantly wants to take away our filthy robes and gives us a new robe. We saw the filthy robe represents our own righteousness, our self-righteousness, or our iniquities. And the good robe that, he, that God wants to give us represents His righteousness. And so throughout the Bible, when you see God wanting to change your clothes, now does it always use the same word? One uses garment. One uses raiment. The other uses robe are they different that's right it does change our hearts 
So we see that it uses different words to describe what? Clothing. But the thought is the same. And that's the key to the thought study. The key to the thought study is that the thought remains the same, but the prophets are at liberty to use different words to express the same thought. That's why I said a word, uh, you can't do it with this as well, unless you, and I've done this, you sit there and think, what are all the ways you can express this thought? In other words, when I do a study on clothing, I think of the Bible, I already know, robe, garment, um, raiment, cloth. I know these words that the Bible used to describe clothes, so I can look for that trying to understand the thoughts. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Okay, good. So, and honestly, how does that really help? You need to read more of the Bible to, for that to come more and more to life. You, we really need to be readers of the Word of God because your mind will start putting together thoughts that it sees in the Bible. Okay, have a little bit of time left. Let me skip this. We're going to jump down to... I'm going to go over what I call the six safeguards for Bible scholars. Go ahead and write it down. The six safeguards for Bible students. So the three methods we talked about was the verse-by-verse method, the word study, and the thought study. Um, I do recommend a lexicon. I shouldn't use lexicon. Let me use a different word. I do recommend a Bible study software that will help you do what we did. But again, if you don't have this available, or if you don't have a computer, do not fear. Um, you can get your hands on an actual concordance where you can, it looks up words. If you want to see this afterwards, by, by all means, come up and take a look at it. Uh, when I first was studying the Bible, I went to an ABC. I didn't even know that, you know, Adventists had their own book center. I was so amazed. And I went in there, and I was like, it's Adventist books. And I went over to the Bible section. I remember getting a Bible, and I was so happy. And I remember getting a concordance. I didn't know which one to pick, and I saw this huge one. It was this thick. And it was about that big, like about that big, and it was like that thick. It's called the Young's Analytical Concordance. And I was like, actually, I'm going to get the Strong's. I got the Young's, but it's okay. I like being young, but Strong is good too. So I remember I saw this massive thing, and I was like, wait, this has all the words in the Bible. It has all the words. So if I want to find a word, I can just look it up in this book, and I can understand the Holy Spirit, because I can look up every time it used the word Spirit, by the way, if you just look up the word spirit by itself, you have a long journey through the scriptures. A long, trust me, long journey. So, but I did all my Bible study that way. It took time. Anyone here ever gardened before? Garden? Okay. Do you have to be a rocket scientist to garden? I don't know anything about gardening, and I grew garlic and tomatoes and other things. And I, I didn't know anything. I was able to do it, though. But guess what it took? It took time and work. In other words, I had to put what we call elbow grease into it. It took hard work, but it didn't take a lot of... Now, I'm sure I could have grew the garlic better. I do mind. I can admit that. Or I'm sure, I'm sure I could have got more tomatoes for my plants if I grew it better. So I'm not saying that it's not good to do your research. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is I love gardening because it takes hard work, but you don't have to be a genius to do it. And I think the Bible is the same way. You don't have to be a genius to understand the Bible. You just got to study it and ask for the Holy Spirit to help you. You just got to do it. So when you want to understand the word mystery of God, if you type mystery of God and it gives you 100 verses, guess how many verses you have to read? 100 times 5 for the context. Now, actually 100 times 10 for the real context. So you have 1,000 verses now to study to understand one thing. Is that good news? Amen? 
for people like me, it's really good news. I love to read. But here's the thing, guys. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You just have to compare Scripture with Scripture and just sit down and you just got to do it and ask for the Holy Spirit to help you. Guys, please, that, that's my major appeal is these things, these, these methods, they're not hard. Anyone can do it. You just got to do it by the grace of Jesus. Amen? Okay, so we're talking about six safeguards, six things that will help you with your Bible study, things that will keep you safe when you study. The first one is open the Bible with prayer and self-distrust. Open the Bible with prayer and self-distrust. In other words, you do not trust yourself to understand the Word of God. You do not trust your, uh, your preconceived opinions, but you open up the Bible with the intention to understand what saith the Lord. That's right. So you want to open the Bible with prayer and self-distrust. Let's look at, well, you have the verses from the previous session. If you weren't here, write down 1 Corinthians 2.14. We looked at that earlier. 1 Corinthians 2.14, how we need the Holy Spirit to be the one to teach us and to guide us and to help us to understand these things. Number two. And someone may throw something at me for this one, but it's okay. I'm a good catcher. Use a variety of Bible translations. Does anyone here know Greek and Hebrew? You're a linguist in here? Okay, Greek, right? Greek and Hebrew or just Greek? Okay, Greek only. So there you go, Hebrew and Greek. Praise the Lord Jesus. I wish I could read Hebrew and Greek. Oh, well, pray. That's good, too. I have one of those in English and Hebrew. And I, you know, I read the English and I just look at the Hebrew because it looks cool. And so, but because we don't understand the original language, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a linguist. I'm not. So guess what I use? A variety of translations. Now, I'm picky about what translations I use. Uh, and if you want to know, you can ask me afterwards on uh, what translations I, I strongly prefer. I obviously, I'll give you a couple that people don't think about. Young's Literal Translation. I like that one. Anyone ever heard of that before? Young's Literal Translation? Just a couple of us? That's a good one. Revised Standard Version, King James, New King James. And you can ask with me more about Bible versions afterwards. Um, okay. So use a variety of Bible translations. It will actually help you to get a broad understanding of a verse as it's translated in multiple facets if it's a literal translation and not a paraphrase. Please do not use a paraphrase uh, if you want to study the Bible. If you just want to read through it, I'm sure, I guess it's good for reading value, but for really understanding the thought of the intent, of the, the original intent, you want a literal translation of the Bible. So please uh, if you ask the people, if you don't know, to distinguish between a paraphrase and a literal translation of the Bible. Number three, spend most of your time with the easy passages and not the difficult passages. I'll explain. Spend most of your time with the passages that are easy and that are clear and not the difficult passages. The rich, uh, Hellfire is a good example for this. In Luke chapter 16, you have the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. If you wanted to teach someone who knew nothing about Hellfire, the truth about Hellfire, would you start with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? Why wouldn't you start with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? Okay, for those that, who, 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 I have to ask, who doesn't know the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? Okay, so we all know it. Praise Jesus. Okay, good. So there's a, there's a principle that we can draw out of there. So we all know the parable well. 
So would you start with that parable to teach your, your non-Christian friend uh, the truth about hellfire? No, you wouldn't, right? You would start with the much easier text. Or would you use that passage to teach them the truth about the state of the dead? No, you wouldn't, right? You don't start there. You start with the dead, no, nothing. Because that's a what kind of passage? It's easy. It's clear. Too many times we start with the difficult passage first. And then we try to understand the easy passage in light of our understanding of now a difficult passage. When if we start with the easier passages first, they will shed light on the difficult. I think of things in Revelation that people struggle with. And I believe that if we would stick with the easier passages first and understand the basic principles, then the other things will become easier. Same with the spirit of prophecy. I don't want to get into a discussion on the subjects, the major ones that are heavily talked about. But I believe if you start with the easier quotes first, the easier things first, those hard quotes that become touchy subjects in the Adventist church wouldn't be so difficult if we understood the easier things first about, you know, Christ and other things. And I'm going to stop there. Number four. So spend most of your time with what kind of passages? Easier, and then move into the more difficult after you have a firm foundation. Number four, compare the results of your Bible study with a general reading of the Bible. Compare your conclusions. We talked about this in the first seminar. In other words, when I come to a conclusion on the state of the dead, I need to compare it with the rest of the Bible to make sure my conclusion doesn't contradict the Bible. Does that make sense? So, in other words, you need to spend time reading your Bible to make sure that what you're specifically studying isn't contradicting something else that is found in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So compare it with uh, a general reading of the Bible. I like to think of it like the big picture. We know when you fly over a forest, um, you can kind of get an idea of the layout of the trees and everything, right? And you kind of see how everything works. And then once you have a good idea, like let's say you knew that the, the outpost was north of where you're at, you see the outpost, and you land at the bottom, you know that you have to head which direction? You have to head, if you want to get to the outpost, you have to just head, just head north, because you already saw the big, the big picture. Big pictures help, that's all I'm saying. Um, don't, don't just spend your entire life studying just one passage of scripture, but also make sure that you have a general reading of the Bible, so that your, the Holy Spirit in your mind can connect thoughts. When you read fire falling down from heaven, the Holy Spirit will connect all the thoughts of passages that you have read about fire falling down from heaven to give you an understanding. Exactly. So uh, compare the results of Bible study with a general reading of the Bible. Number five. Pay careful attention to the criticism of your peers. That's a hard one for us. Pay attention to the criticism of your peers, especially those who you disagree with. How many of you, when you have someone, a friend, and you know that you disagree on a certain subject in the Bible, are honestly willing to listen to them with an open heart and an open mind on what they have to say. Don't raise your hands. Because that way, if none of us raise our hands, no one will feel bad. Okay. So, in other words, we need to have an open mind, an open heart to the criticism of our peers, especially those we disagree with. Me and a friend, I have a really good friend, I love him to death, there's about three different theological things that we both, we heavily disagree on. And these things are the, the, the sum of our conversation every time we meet. It's, hi, how are you doing for the year? I've been doing great. How's your year? Good. 
You closer to Jesus? Yeah, you closer to Jesus? Good. What about that subject? Oh, here's what I found. Here's what I found. And then we get to have a beautiful discussion on these, 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 these topics within. Um, that's right. Treat them with goodness. And just so you know, they're good conversations. We don't, we're not like mean to each other. We love it. We enjoy it. And we, we both really sincerely want to know truth. But what me and him had to realize was, okay, are we really listening to each other with open minds? Or are we just coming at each other with what we think to prove our point? So we talked about it, and now we have open minds. So, um, In other words, we need to be willing to say, okay, this is my conclusion. Take it to the brethren. Do you see light in this? Especially, especially if it's different. If you ever come to a theological conclusion that is different than is, you've ever heard it before, it is very wise to share it with those who are consecrated to God to study it out as well, to share it with them, and be open-minded, be willing to listen to them. There are too many people in our history who have made a shipwreck of their faith because they were unwilling to listen to the criticism of their peers on their, on their ideas. I think of like Desmond Ford, not Des, well, Des, Desmond Ford, but I was actually thinking of uh, Dr. Kellogg and others who have made a shipwreck of their faith because they're unwilling to listen to the criticism of their peers on their, their different ideas. So it's hard. It takes humility, but God can help you. Amen? And he can help me with that too because he knows I need it. Number six, the last one. The proper use of the spirit of prophecy. As God's remnant, we don't have an excuse to not use the spirit of prophecy. We really don't. If you're not convinced that the spirit of prophecy is inspired by God, then you have an excuse. Study it for yourself to come to the conclusion whether or not it is inspired of God or not. I have studied it thoroughly for myself and am thoroughly convinced, based upon the word of God, that the spirit of prophecy is inspired by God. And it is a gift that God has given to the remnant church to prepare a people for the soon coming of our Lord. And therefore, it would be unwise for me to neglect the tool that God has given me. Wouldn't you agree to neglect the tool that God has given you? Question? That's right. Yeah. That's true. And I'm not talking about new converts. I'm talking about us here. I'm talking about those who are convinced that the spirit of prophecy is inspired by God, and yet we neglect to read the books. If you are convinced and you neglect to read it, that's equivalent to saying, I'm convinced Paul is a prophet, but I'm not going to read the epistles. I'm just going to read the New Testament, Old Testament. You wouldn't do that, right? No. Now, if someone doesn't, now, if you were talking to a Jewish person, and a Jewish person doesn't believe in the New Testament, is it okay to just use the Old Testament? It's 100% fine. I'm okay with that. But if you're talking, and so then now if you go from a Jewish to a Christian, they believe in the Old and the New, so now you can use the Old and the New, and when you're talking to one who's a member of the remnant, you cannot use the Old, the New, and the Spirit of Prophecy. That's right. So thank you for the clarification. You're very right. And so it is a progression of things that we can use to reach people, but as God's remnant, as God's people who believe in the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the spirit of prophecy, we do not have an excuse to neglect the reading of the tool and the gift that God has so graciously given us to understand the Bible. So the sixth one, what will keep you safe? Comparing it, uh, uh, properly using the spirit of prophecy. I love it. If you, want to, if you want to have joy in your heart, study something from the Bible and then read in the spirit of prophecy and watch her say the same thing that you come to the conclusion of. 
oh, it makes me rejoice. I'm like, yes, I, I got it right by Jesus' grace. All right, we are at 510. Are there any questions on what we have covered so far in this seminar on how to study the Bible? We looked at a few methods. We looked at, well, first we looked at the pre-work, the prep work, the heart work, and the importance of studying the Bible. Then we looked at the actual study of the Bible itself, how to proceed forward, and we looked at some methodologies or some methods on how to actually study the Bible. Were there any questions on what we have actually covered so far? And we concluded with um, six principles or six safeguards for Bible students, things that can help keep us safe. Were there any questions on the things that we talked about? Do you guys remember what those six safeguards were? What's number one? Open the Bible with prayer and self-distress. Number two, use a... Number three, time in easier passages. Number four, concluded with generating the Bible. Number five, be willing to listen to your peers and let them criticize your conclusions. And number six, use the... Spirit of prophecy, because as God's remnant, we are without excuse. I, I hope that, I hope that um, this seminar has been beneficial to you. I hope, more importantly, that you just spend time reading your Bibles. That you spend time studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That when he comes again, you can look and say, Lo, this is my God, I have waited for him. He will be my God and I will be his people. Amen? Is that your desire? Amen. Please spend time in the Bible every day. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time in which we're able to have these seminars today. I know that each seminar was a blessing, Lord, um, for each of the ones that took place around me. Thank you for being with my friends as they spoke and being with us here as you spoke. Help us, Lord, to just take the time every day to study the Bible, to just apply the basic things that we learned. I know this was nowhere near exhaustive, but I just pray that it would encourage my friends, it would motivate them to just spend a moment every day in the Scriptures looking to know Jesus more, that they might be sanctified by the truth that they find and prepared for the second coming of our Lord. Help them and me to this end is our sincere prayer. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.